Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, what if God told you that he was going to start today giving you everything you prayed for? For people like me, I would start with asking God why he didn't offer that last week before the Super Bowl. Can I get a witness from some Jesus-loving people in the place today? If you're with me online and you agree with me, just just put the praise hands up in the comment section. Uh, That would be awesome. I would inform God of things called timing. That's what I would do. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but I'm digressing here. Um, What what if, really, what if God said, starting today, I'm going to give you everything you're praying for? Would it change the way? that you pray? Or or what if God said, I'm going to give you everything you have been praying for? It's a challenging question, isn't it? In fact, earlier this year in a sermon, I I presented a a question like that to our church. Uh, when, When the Lord led me to this question, it challenged me. I had to do an inventory on my own uh, prayer life and things I'm praying for. The the question I posed uh, was this, it's on the screens. If all your prayers came true, How holy would you be? How many other people would be helped? And how many specific people would make it to heaven? If all your prayers came true, how holy, how much more like Jesus would you be based on your prayers? How many other people, not counting your immediate family members, friends, loved ones, how many other people would be helped? How many specific people by name would make it to heaven? It's a challenging question. In fact, it was so challenging to me that I felt like God wanted us as a church to take some time and focus on prayer. But where do we even begin with that? There are so many things that we can and should pray for as a church. We could do a 70-week series on prayer and still not cover all the needs just represented in this room, let alone all the needs in the world, right? So I thought, well, if, if I'm the one feeling like we need to focus on prayer as a church, perhaps the church needs to know some of what I'm praying for as the pastor, and that's what we're doing today, and then continuing on for the next six weeks, a seven-week series leading up to Easter Sunday. We're doing a brand new sermon series, whether you want, wish to know or not, called What I'm Praying For. Uh, If you don't know who I am, it might help you to know that. Uh, My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And for everyone who is with us, uh, whether you're here in person or joining us online somewhere, or if the Fallon uh, Evangelical Church is watching this, uh, so glad to have you guys with us as as well. Uh, Thanks again for, for being here. While we are starting a sermon series on prayer, I do need to clarify, just so you know, that this is not a series on how to pray or even what prayer is. Uh, I've done uh, sermons on that in the past and there's incredible resources available to you uh, on prayer that you could use if you're looking for more information on what is prayer, how do we pray. We're not covering that in the series, but two books I would highly recommend. I've read both of them. Uh, The first one is Circle Maker uh, by Mark Batterson. I believe it's a must read for every single Christian. It revolutionized uh, my prayer life as a follower of Jesus. And then Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire is an 
older book by Jim Cimbala, but it will inspire you to, to live a life of, of prayer. Now, I know that for some people uh, here today or, or people listening on, watching online, prayer is the very reason you don't believe in God. Uh, you ask God to do something for you or someone that you love, and he didn't do it. And I understand how, how that could lead someone to, to not believe in God. And if that's you, just thank you for being here. Like, thank you for giving God's church a chance, even though you don't believe in the God that we say we believe in. And I hope you know that even if you never believe, we're still going to love you and honor you here. It's one of our core values. It's actually the core value on my, my sweatshirt today, a uh, place to call home, that we will love people for who they are so that we can lead all of us, me included, to where we believe God wants us all to be. That's one of our core values here. And here's the thing that I think all of us need to know. I don't understand prayer. Probably not what you want to hear from the pastor doing a series on prayer, right? But I don't understand prayer. I, I don't know why God says yes to some prayers and no to, to others. All I know is this. I believe it with all my heart. Prayer matters. Wow. Not one person's with me today. This, okay. I need some believers in the room to help me preach today. Okay. Because there's unbelievers who need to know I'm not the only crazy person who believes this stuff. So if I say something you agree with, maybe nobody agrees prayer matters. If I say something you agree with, a hearty amen might be helpful. So I believe prayer matters. Okay, good. Either you're doing that to appease me or you really believe it. Either way, I'll take it. But even, even outside of, of the Bible, there are too many times in my, in my own life and lives of people I know where profound, life-changing, life-altering things happened because of prayer. I believe God hears us when we pray, which is a miracle in and of itself. That God hears us. That's good enough. But I also believe that God moves because of our prayers. Not every single, I don't understand how it works, but he does. In fact, one of my favorite verses on prayer in the Bible is found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It's, it's, it's a story of the king of Assyria, the wicked king of Assyria, who's threatening to attack the people of Israel. The king of Israel, Hezekiah, he pleads with God in prayer for protection. And you can read the story on your own. It's, it's two chapters long, Isaiah 36 and 37, but here's one verse, Isaiah 37, 21. After the king prayed, then... Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, because you prayed. And then God proceeds to announce judgment on the kingdom and king of Assyria, and he saves his people from the attack. And that phrase, three words, because you prayed, has always stood out to me. It seems to imply that if Hezekiah didn't pray, God would not have moved. I don't know if that's the case, but it just seems to, to imply that it sure seems like it. So here's what's so challenging to me as a follower of Jesus and a pastor. This is what drives my prayer life, and I'm very intentional about my prayer life. It drives it. I don't want to get to heaven one day and find out that God would have done so much more if I had only prayed. 
I don't want that to be the case. So I'm praying some things. Whether God ever does them or not, I'm praying some things. And again, I don't understand how prayer always works. I don't know why God answers some and not others. All I know and believe is this. I think that our God is still saying to his people, because you prayed, I'm doing this. Because you prayed. And I, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> Anyone else want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of some prayers where God moves on our behalf because we prayed. I want to pray some bold prayers to God, prayers that matter in light of eternity, not just in my everyday experience. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing, nothing wrong with praying for our everyday experiences like provision, protection, healing, whatever it is. I pray those things all the time. I think we should pray those things. But our prayers should not just be focused on how much more comfortable God can make our lives. Our prayers should have an eternal mindset to them. And that's what I'm focusing on in this series. Not just temporary things. Those are okay to pray for. I do pray for those things. But I'm talking about things that matter in light of eternity, starting with some prayers for our church. So here's the big question I'm asking today. What am I praying for our church? And I'm asking you to join me. What am I praying for our church? The main scripture is just one verse, but don't worry, I'm preaching the same amount of time. Acts 9, verse 31, is our main scripture today. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we will have all the verses on the screens today. If you're watching online, it'll be there as well. If you don't own a Bible, you can download one called YouVersion. It's totally free. Or if you're here in person, ask for a Bible out at guest services. One of our great volunteers uh, will get you a Bible free of charge. Acts is written by Luke the same author as the Gospel of, of Luke. And in Acts chapter nine, where we're picking up, what just happened before that was Saul, who was a leader of a movement to wipe out Christianity from the face of the earth, Saul put his faith in Jesus, and Saul went from a murderer of Christians to a, a missionary for Jesus. He changed his name or started going by his name Paul, which is what we know him of as the Apostle Paul. And so that just happened. Now reading one verse, Acts 9, verse 31 says this. The church then, so God's church had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So leave that up there for a second. Those, those three words I underline will form our three prayers for today, but don't worry, have no fear. I'm changing all of them to start with the same letter, so we can actually move forward with that. Um, those three things I underline are three specific prayers. They're not the only thing I'm praying for, okay? That would take a long time for us to to, to go through. I mean, only things, like, like for instance, last week I told you I'm praying that we would see 70% of our average adult attendance serving on a regular volunteer team. And that means we need 120 new volunteers. Now, praise the Lord, we had 60 new volunteers sign up last week, which is incredible, by the way. So we're on our way to seeing that prayer answer. So that, that's, that's one of like dozens of other prayer requests uh, for our church I could tell you about specific things. But these are the three things that, that I do pray for. 
and I have prayed for over our church officially since February of 2014, the three things we're looking at today. So what am I praying for our church? Number one is this, that we would have peace. That we'd have peace. The first part of our main scripture used that exact word, says the church then had peace. And yes, It is referring partly to the fact that Paul was no longer on a rampage to uh, arrest and kill Christians for their faith in Christ, which we can all say is a good thing, right? But the word peace here is is so much more than just having less problems on the outside. (laughs) I, I do pray for that, by the way. I pray that the circumstances around us and our church and our church family, that our circumstances will be peaceful, I don't want anything to hurt or hinder us, God's people, people in the world. But I believe there's something else more powerful than any outside problem in slowing down the church from accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And it's not persecution. It's not politics. It's not lack of provision. It's not even a stupid worldwide pandemic. The one thing I believe most powerful in slowing down the church in accomplishing the mission of Jesus is this. It's on the inside of the church. It's division. Division. So that word peace, uh, when Luke wrote it, he used the Greek language. In the Greek language, that word peace means on the screens here to join or tie together into a whole. It means wholeness. When all essential parts are joined together. Isn't that cool? So it can mean peace circumstantially, but it also means unity. Unity. And unity is a very misunderstood thing, I think, especially in the church. So often, I think we believe unity means we all have to agree on everything and look the exact same way. That's not unity, that's boring right? Unity unity does, does not equal uniformity or even total agreement. Unity is total alignment towards a common goal. It's being united in thought and in purpose as a body. That's actually what Paul would go on to say in one of his letters in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, writing to the church in Corinth, Paul says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the, here's that word we talked about earlier, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. That's the key phrase, by the way. Notice it says what we are to be united around thought and purpose. It does not say be united around the programs or ministries or processes of the church, how the church chooses to to do things. Not united around style or sound of music, not united in who you voted for, what party you belong to, the color of your skin, or what outside organizations you choose to support with your time, talent, and treasure, or anything else. No, united in thought and purpose. It's being united towards a common goal. And what is that goal for us specifically here at Element? Well, we exist. I say it every week. 
to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact, the kind of impact that if we were gone, our community would miss us. Can we unite around that? The answer should be yes. And by the way, I think we do a pretty good job uniting around that common goal, and my prayer is that we continue to do that. Listen, we're not going to agree. I hope this gives somebody relief. We're not going to agree on every single detail of how we accomplish that vision as a church, and that's okay. I don't expect us all to agree. Be awesome if everybody uh, agreed. It'd probably make some things easier in life, but we're not gonna, my family of six can't agree on where we're going out to eat. And we expect our church of a thousand or so people to agree on every single detail of how we're gonna accomplish the vision? No, but we can be united. That This is actually what Jesus prayed for. Do you know that? Jesus prayed this would happen. At the very end, Literally, end of his life, earthly life. On the, on the very night he was arrested and then eventually crucified for our sins, John records a prayer that Jesus prayed. In this prayer, Jesus says to the Father, I'm praying for all those who will ever believe in me. And a part of his prayer, that means us, by the way, who believe, a part of his prayer for us who believe is found in John 17, verse 23. You can read all of John 17 on your own. It's a beautiful prayer. But Jesus says this, I am in them and you are in me, praying to the Father. May they experience us such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Whoa. Is that what the world sees when they look at our church? Is that what the world would see if they looked at my life inside of the church? Or would they see divisions over things that really have no eternal significance? <laughs> and listen, I, I can't control what, what anyone else does. Like I, I, I can't control how you deal with unity, and you can't control me or anybody else, but we can control ourselves, right? In fact, the Apostle Paul said that pretty much that same thing, Ephesians 4 verse 3, he says, make every effort. So for myself, I should make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with what? Peace, same word we saw in Acts 9 31. So what am I praying for our church? I'm praying for peace. That we would continue to have unity. Specifically so much unity that the world would know Jesus is real. Come on. And so much unity that it would actually show the world how much Jesus loves us and loves them. I want that. In fact, I want to be a part of the answer to Jesus' prayer. Isn't that powerful? That by actually living in unity one with another, we are an answer to the prayer of our Lord Jesus. That's sobering, the responsibility that we have. So what am I praying for? I'm praying for peace. Number two, I'm praying that we would have power. We'd have power. 
Acts 9, 31b, the second part of the verse said this, and it, meaning the church, became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. Now, I hope you understand, I personally, I am all for seeing people put their faith in Jesus, being forgiven of their sins and having Christ live in them. I love that. It's the driving force behind what we do as a church. Not to get ahead of myself to the last point here, but the last point is all about that, people putting their faith in Jesus. But listen, if people get saved in this place, but they never grow stronger in their faith, then we have failed. We failed if they don't grow stronger in their, in their faith. Experiencing life to its fullest, which is a part of our vision, it might begin with our salvation, but it continues through our sanctification. It's a big word, I understand, but it it happens through our surrendering ourselves fully to the power of the Holy Spirit as we live in the fear of the Lord. It's taking our next steps spiritually, being conformed into the image of Jesus every day, becoming more and more like him with each passing day. So church, I'm not just praying that people find a place in the family of God through salvation. I'm also praying that we would have power from the Holy Spirit as we grow strong in the fear of the Lord. I want every single person in our church, including myself, to have an unshakable faith, an unquenchable hunger and thirst for God, an unbreakable spirit of freedom, an undeniable fire in our soul, and an unwavering commitment to our life in Christ. And how do we get that? By continuing Continuing to live in the fear of the Lord. It's understanding my place in the kingdom of God, that he is God and I am not. He is the creator of the universe, the pure and perfect one. He, he is sovereign and in control. He is the judge and jury of my life. He is holy other. He is separate. And yet he invites me into an intimate relationship with him. And I am a child of his only by faith in what he did for me on the cross. And because of that, I surrender myself to his will and his way, which is only expressed in his word. It's saying to the Holy Spirit, whatever you want for me, I receive it. And whatever you want from me, I surrender it. I am entirely yours. We need that in the church today. Not just Element Church. We need that in God's church today. We we need the strength and the power that come from living in the fear of the Lord, not just putting our faith in him to get our, our ticket out of hell, but surrendering fully to him in order to experience all the life and power he has for us while we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We need that. And that's what I'm praying for, that we'd have peace, that each of us would make every effort to live in harmony and unity with one another, that we'd have power growing stronger as we live in the fear of the Lord. And number three, the last one, that we'd reach more people. I want us to reach more people. 
for Jesus. The last part of our main scripture said this, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it, the church, also grew in numbers. And this, this doesn't just mean the church got bigger. That's not what I'm saying, that's not what the scripture is saying. They did get bigger, by the way, but they got bigger because more and more people were putting their faith in Jesus. You read the first several chapters of Acts, the church rapidly multiplied because folks were putting their faith in Jesus. I would just throw out this question. If the church were to get bigger, who would be more upset? God or Satan? There's nothing wrong with the church growing as long as we're growing by people putting their faith in Jesus. It's a good thing. They grew in numbers. And that will always, always be a prayer of mine. I have half dozen or so, dozen people by name that I've met out in the lobby over the years who just told me I don't believe in Jesus and I've been praying for them by name. Many of them I've not seen since. But I will pray for those people by name until the day I die or until I see them again and they tell me they put their faith in Jesus. It will always be a prayer of mine that we reach more people for Jesus. It actually fits perfectly in a weird way with the true story of Valentine's Day. Corinne teased you with that earlier. As you know, today is Valentine's Day. Might be some husbands panicking about now. And, and we've turned Valentine's Day into a day of romance and relationships. But it was not originally that. It was first and foremost a day about reaching people for Jesus. Did you know that? Uh, St. Valentine was a real person. He was a priest and a bishop who ministered during the third century, the 200s AD. This was during the reign of the wicked emperor Claudius II, who went on a mission to end Christianity by outlawing faith and even killing people who put their faith in Jesus. On top of that, the emperor also outlawed marriage in an effort to expand and strengthen his own kingdom, believing that soldiers in his army would fight more courageously and fearlessly if they were single and not married, so he outlawed marriage. In the midst of all of this, St. Valentine continued to point people to Jesus, and if a Christian couple ever came to him wanting to be married, he would perform the ceremony secretly. Once Claudius caught wind of this, he put Valentine in, in prison. Claudius, however, was curious about this Valentine guy, so he would often invite Valentine to his palace to talk with him. And every time, Valentine would tell him about Jesus. It made the emperor angry. At one point, Emperor Claudius um, became so furious with Valentine continuing to share uh, the gospel with him that he ordered him never to mention Jesus again. But Valentine stood firm in his conviction that Jesus was the only way to heaven even for evil Emperor Claudius. And so he chose to continue telling Claudius about Jesus until eventually the emperor had enough. He ordered that Valentine be beaten, stoned to death, and beheaded. And St. Valentine was buried on February 14th. Hence, Valentine's Day. Legend records that the last words Valentine's ever wrote were to a young lady who was greatly impacted by his ministry and he signed the letter from your Valentine. 
and friends, that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for more Valentines, if you will, to rise up in the spirit of the Lord and pursue peace with each other. Do everything in our effort to be binded together in the spirit and living in peace and unity one with the other. I'm praying that we'd have power growing stronger as we each individually live in the fear of the Lord, that even in the face of death like Valentine, we would have an unwavering commitment to the Lordship of Jesus and declaring him as the only true way to salvation. And I'm praying that we'd reach more and more people with the gospel that Valentine gave his life for, that Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us, He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious, conquering death and hell and the grave forever so that any one of us, no matter who we are, what we've done by faith in him, can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today and power to live our lives for him every day. And then one day by faith in the risen Jesus, we will live forever with him. That's the gospel. And I'm praying more and more people put their faith in it right here in this place and through your lives as you live out in the world. So here's my challenge. I'm challenging all of us to pray a prayer that I'll present to you in a second once a day for the next seven days. Okay? Between today and next Sunday, which I'll give you then a new prayer next Sunday, but between today and next Sunday, once a day for the next seven days, and here's how I want us to do it. You don't have to, but this might make it easier. I want you to set an alarm or notification on your phone, your computer. If you're you know, old, you want to write it down still, you can write it down somewhere, but set a reminder for, for 931, okay? So it goes along with the Acts 931, set a notification for 931 a.m. or p.m., either one or both if you want to. I'm gonna choose 931 a.m. There'll be some days I'm doing other things and I'll see that notification later, but every day at 931, or how, you can do it every time you want to, but I want us to pray this prayer. It's on the screens. If you want to take a picture of it, you can. I am sharing it on all my social media platforms this afternoon, and it'll be on the church social media tomorrow. So if you're not following us on social media, you might wanna do that. But here's the prayer I want us to pray for the next seven days. I'm gonna pray it right now. Father in heaven, by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead, I pray that you would fill up our church with your peace and unity among one another. I pray you would strengthen us with your power and with the encouragement of your spirit, may we, may we reach more and more people for you. Will you join me? I wanna pray that prayer as a church. It's fitting that we're closing the service with communion today. If you're watching online and you want to get some communion elements ready, some bread or food, some kind of drink, you can do that right now. Communion, I think, is one of those things that we can actually all unite around in the church. It was on the the night Jesus was arrested, the night he prayed that prayer that I shared earlier. He shared his last meal with the disciples, and in that meal, he established what we call communion, the Lord's Supper. He took some bread, he broke it, passed it on the table. He said, every time you eat this bread, 
Do it to remember me, my body given for you. Took a cup of wine. We use juice. I think you can probably figure out many reasons why we choose to do that. But he passed around the table and said, this is my, my blood. It represents my blood given for you. Whenever you drink the cup, do it to remember me, my blood shed for you. And listen, all through the New Testament, we are told that we are one in the body of Christ. So in communion, we're reminded of our unity in the body of Christ. We also know that it's through the resurrected body of Jesus and his Holy Spirit that we have power. And we know it's his blood that forgives people of their sins. So even in communion, we're reminded of this prayer, Lord, that we'd have peace one with another, that we would have power by your risen Holy Spirit, and that more and more people would put their faith in you through the body and blood of Jesus given for us. Now, if you're not a, if you don't want to take communion, you don't have to. Um, we want you to take it when you're ready, when your faith is in Christ and there's, that you know you're following him. You don't have to be a member to take it. I hope you understand that too. It's open to anybody who believes. So here in a moment, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna receive communion. Um, with the pandemic guidelines and such, I think you're all used to what we're doing, but um, if you're gonna take communion, just stay in your seats right where you are for just a couple seconds. Let folks clear out that don't want to receive communion and there's no judgment whatsoever. If you don't want to, please don't take if you don't want to. But wait a few seconds, you can come forward. Send one person up for your whole party. So if there's five of you in your group, send one person up and we have pre-packaged communion. You peel the top part off, there's a little piece, a wafer of bread, then peel the next part off and you have your cup of juice. And then you can go back to your seat and then you can receive the elements whenever you are ready to. We'll play some soft music until everyone clears out and you can pray as long as you want to for communion. Also, if you've never put your faith in Christ, now's a great time. You can use communion to do it, just by, just by praying, Lord, this represents your body and blood, and so I'm professing my faith in you, Jesus. You are God, died in my place, rose again, so please forgive me of all my sins. I repent, which means to turn. I'm turning from my old sinful, selfish living, and by the help and power of your spirit, I will follow you. I receive from you salvation, live in my heart. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'm gonna love you back. You can pray that prayer, put your faith in Jesus, and if you do, if you do, we wanna know. We wanna know. And the easiest way to let us know is by just texting us. We have a texting service, and we're not gonna hound you or hunt you down, but you can text the word E-LIFE, that's Element Life. Text the word E-LIFE to 94000, and we're just gonna send you a link back if you click that link, you'll get, a, you'll get a, a download of a free resource that we created to help you take your next steps in Jesus. There's also a place to give us your information if you want to. You don't have to. It's no strings attached. If you want to, we'd love to know, celebrate with you, and honor you. Uh, also, if you're watching online on the Church Online platform, click the tab that says, I commit my life to Jesus, and we'll follow up with you there as well. If you need prayer for something today, uh, we have an amazing prayer team in the back, and they'll... Um, Stay as long as needed to pray for whatever need you have. But we're gonna transition now into a time of communion. I love you guys. I'm very excited to share these prayers with you over the next several weeks. And I pray, I pray that our church would be united around these things as we seek Jesus together. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth of your word, for the authority that it has, and for the life that it gives. And I pray, Lord, for myself, 
I pray for every single person that we leave now and we would do whatever you've asked us to do next. Different for all of us, but I pray we'd all do it. And Lord, as we take communion together, help us remember that it's, it's around the body and blood of Jesus that we are united, that we receive power, and that we can reach more people with the great message and gospel of Jesus. We love you. We give you all praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.